Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter, here to bring you an early week episode uh, talking about the future at the quarterback position for the Falcons, which is the most important question going into the offseason. Uh, last week, talked about it at length on Wednesday's show. We do have another Desmond Ritter game in the books, and I think this one was probably the most important one given that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 18 are probably going to rest their starters. So, you know, how much does that really tell you if Ritter lights up their starters or whatever? Like, I mean, that's going to be a weird game. So, at this point, we've seen three games with Desmond Ritter, and I think we can start to talk about has Desmond Ritter shown enough to start in 2023 or at least to be given an opportunity to do so. Uh, and that's going to be the crux of today's episode. Um, again, with the Bucks sort of likely to rest their starters. There's not really a whole lot of intrigue with that game uh, whatsoever. So, like I said uh, on the post-game show this weekend, uh, there will be no live shows this week, no Wednesday show, and no uh, post-game for the Bucks game, as I'm going to be taking a, a vacation a little bit early, because that's just how it happened to fall this year. But uh, definitely going to have some recorded episodes for you guys, including this one, um, getting into some of the big off-season topics, because that's clearly where this is going. Um, and the Desmond Ritter question, like I said, is, is the big one. This is the major question that the real crux of the off season is going to revolve around. Do the Falcons have enough confidence in Desmond Ritter to make him the starter for 2023? And it's not an easy question to answer. It's pretty subjective. I don't think it's a slam dunk. Yes. Um, but I don't think it's a no. So I can only give my opinion on it, and my opinion is that, yes, I think Desmond Ritter, after this Cardinals game, has shown you enough glimpses. He's shown you week over week, week growth. He's shown you some wow throws, um, and I think it's it's shown me enough that I think with a healthy team around him, a better defense, uh, I think that Desmond Ritter can be an NFL starter. I think that he's shown that he can do it against the Cardinals. Admittedly, not a great opponent, um, but the Falcons are also a bad football team. So keep in mind the context of that, you know, they're going up against a poor opponent, but the Falcons themselves are also a poor team. So you have to keep that both sides of the context coin in your mind there. Um, And I think that, that Ritter against the Cardinals, this was his best game. Um, Statistically, Raw numbers-wise, not all that impressive. Um, he had a big... Uh, he had his touchdown pass taken off the board. Uh, the refs ruled Cordell Patterson incomplete. Uh, to me, when your back is on the ground and you have possession of the football in the end zone, that's a touchdown. 
the ball did come out, you know, shortly after that, like split second later. But I think it's pretty clear that he had possession. And when you're going into the end zone, all you have to do is break the plane. If you're if if he was running in, you know, with that, it would have been a touchdown, even if he lost the ball. But all of a sudden, when he's catching it now, they say, oh, well, it came out when after he had already landed on his back and all this stuff. So I think that was a poor call. Um, and I get that the NFL rules probably make it that way. But uh, I... To me, Desmond Ritter threw that touchdown. He hit Cordero Patterson on the money at the goal line. Cordero Patterson was in the end zone. I think, like, for people that are like, oh, well, he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. He threw a touchdown pass against the Cardinals that the refs blew, in my opinion. Um, And even if, you know, and even then, like, you could just say Patterson dropped it or had the ball ripped away. It It was on point. It was a touchdown pass. So, you know, we could put to bed the narrative that he can't make throws in the red zone or something like that. The other side of that coin is, of course, the Falcons are probably just going to hand the ball off in the red zone at least 50% of the time because Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson are both excellent goal line running backs that are both going to demand a lot of carries there. So you don't necessarily need Ritter to be this elite red zone passer right away. Um, But all that being said, to me, uh, Ritter in this game did take a step forward. I thought he looked cool uh, under pressure. I got to give props to to Vance Joseph of the Cardinals who called the game that I wish, you know, Dean Pease had called. Um, just relentless pressure on Ritter, uh, constant creative blitzes that the Falcons offensive line still can't figure out. Um, that's part of the reason that, you know, I need, I, I'm very much in favor of this team moving on from Drew Dahlman as a starter. I think he certainly deserves to, to stick around on this roster, but um you know, they, they still can't pick up blitzes. It's week in and week out. They struggle with the same stuff. And a lot of it has to do with the protections. I don't think, and they're, and Drew Dahlman is the one that is setting that up and it's not getting done. So, um, Ritter was under pressure constantly. So even though the corners of the Cardinals were both out, like they're starting three corners were out, Ritter didn't have time to sit there and pick on these corners because he had to get the ball out quick because of how poor the pass protection was and how much difficulty the Falcons had at keeping blitzers off of Ritter. So I know one of the criticisms will be, well, why didn't Ritter blow up this secondary because they were so hurt? It's because the Falcons offensive line, you know, really failed at protecting him well. Um, I think when Ritter did have time in this game, he hit some good throws. I think when he was under pressure, he also hit some good throws. Um... The, the numbers that stand out, 73% completion percentage. Now, a lot of those were short passes, but they were crisp. They were clean. Um, they were on target, most importantly, right? Um, several were for, a lot of them were for first downs that were crucial plays. Um, you know, you, if you look at his best passes, one of them was a, a defensive pass interference that was not called. You, you know, you guys know I'm talking about the Demir, the Demir Bird deep bomb that was perfectly thrown. Uh, Demir Bird was right in position to make that catch, and he got his arm completely held uh by the defender the refs didn't call it I mean this is one of the worst officiating games of the season um so that was probably a 40 50 yard pass play for Ritter um that was taken off the board uh by defensive pass interference and that was a perfect deep throw we saw a really gutsy uh tight window throw to Michael Pruitt on a crucial conversion um it was a really dangerous throw but that was a bullet. It was right on point. Um, it was perfectly thrown. And, and look, a perfect pass beats good coverage every time. And um, Ritter did a great job on that one. Several great plays to London. Some crisp passes. Uh, like I said, that Patterson touchdown was on the money. Uh, and I thought Ritter just did a good job 
navigating the pocket. He still looks a little uncomfortable there. Like, like he's still getting his footing, still getting used to this offense. Um, you know, he doesn't know. He, I, you can tell that the, the offense isn't, he doesn't know it like the back of his hand, right? He has to sort of look around and try to remember exactly what's going on. And that's not unusual for a guy making his third start in this offense. Um, so I'm not really going to hold that against him, but I think he moves, he moves well in the pocket and you can see how mobile he is when he does get out on the run. He's so comfortable throwing on the run. He threw some great passes when he was rolling out. Um, he evaded what looked like a sure sack and picked up a first down with his legs. Um, the thing with Ritter that I've liked is he has very good contact balance. Um, and that that's important for a quarterback because if you can survive those glancing blows, and stay on your feet to, to get a pass off or, or you know, not comparing Ritter to Patrick Mahomes in his overall game. But you see guys like Mahomes and Josh Allen, they can survive that arm or that leg that impacts them, stay up on their feet and get the ball out. Um, I think Ritter has shown that so far He's that he's got that contact balance, that ability to stay up with pressure coming. Um, and I was impressed by all of those things. I think, honestly, that he had a, a good game. Um, even though the numbers weren't very impressive. Um, and I, so I think if you take this all in context, he has one legitimate weapon in the passing game in Drake London. He does have a good short yardage outlet, you know, or he has two good short yardage, like, like passing running backs, right. And Patterson and Algier. And I think Michael Pruitt is like a, you know, solid to good tight end too. Um, and I think that's a guy you want to bring back. But other than that, it's pretty barren in the Falcons receiving core. And you can tell that, you know, teams just don't respect the Falcons passing game weapons. And it's a problem, but uh, it's a problem that's going to have to be fixed in the off season. And of course I feel like it's so sad that we didn't get to see Ritter and Kyle Pitts because I feel like Ritter's style where he's willing to throw that pass that Mariota really wasn't willing to throw. He's willing to throw that pass. And I think Kyle Pitts is the perfect receiver for that because Kyle Pitts is going to be out there. He might have a guy close to him, but Ritter's going to put that ball in the air and give Kyle Pitts a chance to make plays. And I, I think that is going to be really special when Kyle Pitts comes back. Unfortunately, didn't get a chance to see that because Pitts was hurt uh, before Ritter ends up getting a chance to start. But I like that. You know, I, I think Ritter was better early on in this game than he has been in the past two games where he sort of started quite slow. And then, like he has in every game, even the Saints game, I thought Ritter finished really strong. I thought he was playing his best football at the end of the game. Got his first career game-winning drive and his first W. Um, you know, I, I think the Falcons would have scored a touchdown there if they needed it on that final drive. They didn't need it. They got down inside the three just needed, you know, basically got the ball in place and kicked a field goal to win, which is great. You know, don't give the opponent a chance to to make magic happen, you know, with, with some mistake. Um, but he did exactly what they needed for the win. Um, and we're not really evaluating the whole team at this point. Like, don't look if you're we're trying the purpose of this show and the purpose really of these last few games for me is we need to know, can Desmond Ritter do it? And in the context of this game, yes, it's a weakened opponent, but your team sucks as well. The Falcons defense was awful in this game. Um, and miraculously, once again, held the opponent under 20 points. Um, you know, David Blau was dealing early, but they seemed to sort of get to him a little bit later. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, the Falcons secondary had a couple of players making plays. AJ Terrell and Isaiah Oliver mostly. Um, and they got some help from special teams to, to really bring this one home. But... In the context of this game, Ritter did exactly 
what he needed to do to win. And I think if you don't have the Drake London fumble against the Saints, there's a chance that he you know, would have been able to finish that one off too. And, and this is something that has been consistent for him in college to the NFL now, in the three games that I've seen in the NFL, that Ritter is a really strong finisher. And that's really important in the NFL. Now, it's great if you can play great in all four quarters at the beginning of the game too. And maybe that's something that I don't think Ritter is going to be like a terrible quarterback early, but he really gets in the zone and is completely fearless late in games. This is the type of guy that can come to, can get you that game winning drive, you know, like Matt Ryan was famous for. Right. Um, and I think mentally he's absolutely on point in those situations. And I think that is one big thing in his favor that he's shown every single week, even though it hasn't really worked out due to like a litany of errors and officiating mistakes. Um, I think Ritter has, has done enough ultimately that the team should have had a chance. Um, but again, it, it's hard to evaluate when the defense is playing so poorly and the offense is sort of a shell, um, you know, without Kyle Pitts and, and, uh, the other, the other thing is with Ritter, the big, the biggest issue right now is that I think the Falcons do have one more good receiver, and that's Alameda Zacchaeus. But there is no rapport between Ritter and Zacchaeus right now it, it, on multiple plays, and and I, it's I don't think that they can't work together. I think it's just that they they didn't, they haven't. Um, that fourth and two play that everybody hated, right, where that was the rollout. Uh, Zacchaeus came open immediately on the on the motion. Ritter just didn't look his way, didn't see him. I don't know if he was confused about the play or what, but Zacchaeus came open, was absolutely there for the fourth and two. Ritter just didn't see him. Uh, there was a third and six later where uh, Zacchaeus comes open, and, and that's the pass where Ritter had the ball batted. Ritter hesitated before throwing that ball to Zacchaeus. I, and I think that's just a, a chemistry thing that needs to be developed. You know, this is not... Ritter barely had an opportunity to play with these starters this year because the Falcons waited so long to hand the reins to him. He just... It's sort of a miracle how quickly he's built the rapport with Drake London, considering he played on the scout team for 14 weeks or whatever it was. Um, so I think that will come. I'm not concerned. Like, I, I would still bring back Zacchaeus. But right now, the problem is that Ritter has chemistry with London, and he's comfortable dumping it off to Algier and Patterson. And, and there seems to be definitely a connection brewing with Michael Pruitt, who definitely should be brought back as well. But the other receivers, there's not much there. We did see the nice deep bomb to Demir Bird, so there, maybe there's you know some something there as well. But ultimately, you know, the, the passing game is sort of a shell. Um, it's 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 you know barely holding together. And I think Ritter definitely has maximized the passing game more than Mariota was. Um, Mariota definitely had better chemistry with Zacchaeus. That was the one guy that Mariota was consistently um, able to hit in in key situations. But um, you know, the ultimate question is like, we've only got three games and this is how it was always going to be with the Falcons deciding to wait this long to give him a chance. Have we seen enough? Like has Ritter shown enough? And like, it's not been flashy, but again, in the context of the team and their opponents, Ritter having to go on the road to new Orleans on the road to Baltimore first two weeks, just brutal uh, first two games for any rookie quarterback to go into. I think that it has been enough. Um, now the bar's not very high, right? Like, I mean, it, it's not like he's had a great start, but you look around the league at how many quarterbacks are struggling, how many teams can't find the guy, how many teams would be happy with seeing their rookie just taking strides every single week. I mean, you go, you look at Kenny Pickett, really struggled early, 
given him more time, he started to improve, and now he's playing quite well to end the season. I think if Ritter had got, gotten on the field at the same time as Kenny Pickett, we'd be in the exact same place feeling confident in him as the starter, just like the Steelers are, but because they didn't give him the chance earlier, Ritter's sort of at an earlier point in his growth. And, you know, maybe after the Bucks game, if he completely shreds the Bucks backups, you know, we feel a little bit better. It's like, oh, okay, that's nice. That, you know, what does that really tell us ultimately? But it might be fun. Um, but I think you just need him to, sh- what do you need a rookie to do, right? A rookie quarterback, he needs to be able to run your offense. He needs to be not putting the ball in harm's way, making good decisions with the football. Uh, he needs to be able to navigate pressure and he needs to show week over week improvement, even if he's not a great starter right away. That's all you're really looking for from your rookie starter. I think Ritter has checked all those boxes. He had like, there have been some turnover worthy throws. You know, there was that one errant pass to Drake London early um, that Drake London had to really jump up for and went up in the air and that probably could have been picked off. And some people might call that Michael Pruitt completion, like turnover worthy, but I mean, I wouldn't. I think that's nitpicking, and that was a great pass. It was right on the money, uh, right where it needed to be. Was it risky? Yes. Was it completed? Also, yes. Uh, and that defender didn't get a hand on it. So that that's the difference between a great play and a turnover is those milliseconds, those inches. And in that scenario, Ritter gets the thumbs up for hitting that right on the money. Um, but my my thought is that And it's complicated, so I'll break it down in detail here. But the ultimate answer that we're going to come to is, yes, I think Ritter has shown enough. I think you look at all the factors. The the first factor would be, where are the Falcons in the draft, right? Um, Because the draft is, is, if you're picking really high in the draft, that is a great place to go get your quarterback if you like who's there. And this is a, a solid group at the top, right? I think C.J. Stroud really proved himself as, like, he. I think he really took... The, the issues in his scouting report were like questions about his mobility and can he handle pressure? And I think he did that extremely well. Uh, he handled the pressure really well against Georgia. And I think he showed that he's not a statue. I never really thought he was. I know some people thought he was like, had no mobility whatsoever. I don't think it's that bad. I think he's probably like, like an average athlete. Um, but I think he had a good game. Bryce Young, look, outside of the size concerns, I have no question about Bryce Young's ability to be a franchise quarterback. It's really... Uh, how small is he, right? If he if he comes in at six foot, two hundred, he's gonna be going number one overall. If he comes in at 5'10", 180, you know, there's gonna be questions. But he is absolutely a gamer um, and a guy that is is just a phenomenal quarterback. So you got those two guys, then you got a bunch of question marks, right? Will Levis, I'm not interested to be honest. Um, just too big of of a question mark and too expensive. Um, Anthony Richardson little bit more intrigued because he's probably not going to require, you know, a trade up into the top five like Will Levis would. But again, where the Falcons are picking, which right now is seventh, by the way, um, I think it's too early for Anthony Richardson. Um, so I don't think quarterback in the draft, at least finding a starter, if you want to talk about Hendon Hooker on day three as like a high upside backup, you know, lottery ticket type of guy, I'll have that conversation. But, you know, in terms of the first round pick, I, the Falcons are not in range to get those guys because Houston's going to take their their guy, one. I think it's pretty much a guarantee. Uh, and Houston will have the number one pick no matter what, I believe. Um, well, I guess technically not. If Houston does win because they have the tie, if Houston wins next week, uh, the Bears would get it because the Bears will be 13. Well, no, no. The Bears would have to, the Bears would have to, 
I'm, I'm, no. Houston has the number one pick locked in. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to do play. I'm trying to do draft pick math and strength of schedule math in my head while we're recording. That's never a good, a good combination. But yes, Houston, if they were to win, uh, would be three thirteen and one, and Chicago, if they were to lose, would still be three and fourteen. So, um, well, now, now you see, I, I, I think, I think Chicago could potentially get the number one pick. But either way, regardless of what happens, I think there's a good chance that quarterbacks go one and two, um, regardless of the math and, and my poor math on, on the air. Um, you know, I think quarterbacks are likely to go one and two if Chicago finds a partner. Um, and I think they're going to try hard to do that. I don't think Chicago wants to trade down very far, but I think they're eyeing Indianapolis uh, as an obvious choice. And Carolina is is already rumored to be aggressive to try to get up there for their guy. Um so we'll see. Uh, but I, I do think there's a good chance that the first two picks are quarterbacks, um, or at least two of the top five picks are quarterbacks. So that might leave Will Levis on the board for Atlanta. I suspect no matter what Atlanta's intentions are, they will try to make it seem like they're interested in Will Levis or somebody at seven, either to create interest in their pick or to try to pressure the Panthers to move up and give up assets. That's just good gamesmanship. Um, I, I don't believe the Falcons will be interested in Will Levis, to be completely honest with you. Uh, and the reason for that is that the Falcons had an opportunity, and this is why I don't think the Falcons will be interested in a quarterback at seven or eight or nine or wherever that is that they end up. Um, they had an opportunity to add a quarterback with a premium pick that I thought was a great prospect that a lot of people thought was a great prospect in Justin Fields. They chose not to. So you, whatever you think about that, they chose to pass on quarterback at the top. Then they get their quarterback, but not until the third round. They're very patient. They get the guy they like. And this is a good opportunity for me to remind people that while Desmond Ritter was a third round pick and everyone's like, well, he's just a third round pick, you know, who cares? You know, that's not likely to turn to a starter. He was the second quarterback drafted. So it's not like he is a third round pick and there were seven quarterbacks taken ahead of him. He was a third round pick and he was the second quarterback taken in the draft. So different scenario than a draft where you have like six quarterbacks go in the first two rounds and then Ritter's just the scraps. It's no, like teams just waited universally on quarterback. So I think Ritter is probably better than his draft slot indicates. I thought that at the time I was thinking that he was going to be an early second round pick and a lot of draft analysts graded him that way. Um, so I wouldn't get too caught up in him being a third round pick or anything like that. But again, Falcons didn't prioritize quarterback last year. Um, they did try to trade for Deshaun Watson, but again, I don't think that was the front office. Um, you know, or or I feel like they were being pressured potentially from from other sources. You know, I I think they were they were just hoping for the slam dunk. But I, I think that it, it was a difficult situation, and I I feel like that wasn't their necess- necessarily their plan going in, right? Um, so I don't think that's really what they wanted to do. Uh, so ultimately I don't think quarterbacks, the move at the top. Um, and if quarterbacks, not the move at the top, then what are your other options? You have potential veterans in free agency and you know, it, it's not great. I mean, there, there are some guys certainly that are somewhat intriguing. Um, so, you know, to list them off, um, like 
you know, Jacoby Brissett is probably the one that I that I would be most interested in because I think he fits this system really well. But he's probably going to be asking for starter money now because I think he proved himself for sure uh, in Cleveland this year. You know, Mike White really hurt his stock with this last performance, but, you know, he's somewhat interesting. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, all these guys. None of them really moved the needle for me. I know Dave Cho likes Daniel Jones, so maybe that's another name to float out there. But none of these guys are real, like, slam dunk difference makers. Um, so if none of those guys come through, that's that doesn't seem like a great route. Maybe they're more likely they're, – they're probably going to add a veteran backup slash, like, fringe starter type of guy if they do roll with Ritter. But they're not going to go for one of these big-time starters. Um, so if that's not the route, the only other option would be a trade for a veteran. Obviously, the main name that everyone has circled is Lamar Jackson, and I I've have something to do with that, right? Um, and, you know, we saw a mock trade in the Draft Network's latest mock. Three first-round picks, plus this year's second, plus this year's fourth. And if that sounds like a ridiculous amount, that's what the Browns just gave up for Deshaun Watson. Um, and Lamar Jackson's way better. So, and doesn't have the baggage either. So, um, that's probably realistic compensation, if I'm being honest. So, that's what it's going to cost to get Lamar Jackson. And maybe the team's willing to do that. Maybe they aren't. I personally don't think that they're going to end up with Lamar Jackson. They might try. And I think pretty much any team that needs a quarterback will try because I, why wouldn't you? But only one team is going to end up with him. It's probably going to be Baltimore. Um, But you know, it's worth, it's worth a shot, but I I wouldn't, I don't think it's likely that Demar Jackson ends up in Atlanta next year. Um, So that leaves you with none of those other options looking all that appealing. There's not really a great scenario there without the Falcons trading up in the draft with the bears to get, either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. And I don't think they're going to do that either for all the reasons that I mentioned. So then it's, so that leaves you with Desmond Ritter, but I I think you're fine with that. Um, And I I think Ritter's shown enough that you can sell it, right? Like, oh, he showed us what we wanted to see. We We were just working him in slowly. It was all about, you know, getting him used to the NFL, getting him used to the offense. Now we think he can hit the ground running. We're going to bring in sort of a fringe starter veteran. Marcus Mariota would have been perfect to bring back but it sounds like that is over with so somebody else potentially comes in Ritter is the the starter and he'll he'll get 2023 I don't think he'll get more than 2023 so he'll really have to prove himself next year but the reason you go with Ritter is because one he's already on the roster he only cost you a third round pick and a minimum salary um and he's shown already like he's in the building. So you get him all off season, you get him working, you get him building the rapport. He's already got a great connection with Drake London. He's got a good connection with Michael Pruitt, who I think you should definitely bring back. Um, all of these things are working in his favor and he should have the benefit of a lot of free agency dollars and a whole draft spent to really focus on, of course, improving the defense and not putting so much pressure on the offense to do everything, but also, um, bringing in the right offense that's going to get this thing over the top into a legitimate top 10 offense. Not like, uh, you know, we're top 10 for a few weeks, but everyone really knows this isn't actually a top 10 offense sort of thing. Um, and with all this free agency money and this full complement of draft picks, I think it's, it's very possible that you come out of this off season feeling really good about 
the rest of the roster built around this cheap rookie quarterback. Well, he wouldn't be a rookie next year, obviously, but a second-year quarterback with some NFL experience that's shown you enough that you're relatively confident. Um, now, reasons why they might not go with Ritter, you know, if he face plants against the Bucks backups next week, that's obviously not going to do him any favors, but based on what we've seen so far, I, I think that's pretty unlikely. Um, and then, you know, it, this is basically a, a make-or-break season for Arthur Smith. I think that the expectations will be that they make the playoffs. Um, and so they need to nail the free agency class. They need to nail the draft and they need to get the right quarterback in here to give them an opportunity to make the playoffs, you know? So if they don't think Ritter can get them there, then I think it's much, you know, then, then they're going to bring in somebody else ultimately. So we don't know what they really think about Desmond Ritter, but to me, I think he's shown enough. I think He's he's certainly not holding the offense back. Like I think if you look around, you you see the pass protection breaking down, Ritter under pressure, guys not getting open, just general issues. Um, not really Ritter being like a catalyst for these issues. You see the defense sort of just really providing very little resistance. Um, you know, you, part of the thing is that the Falcons have the fewest possessions of any offense in the NFL this year. Um, a lot of that has to do with the defense just allowing these long drives over and over again, even though they don't always allow the big scores at the end and props to them for that. They're just, they allow these long drives, um, and it limits the opportunities for the offense. So all that to say, I think Ritter's shown us enough to get a shot next year. I don't think he will be given just no competition whatsoever. I do think that we're going to see some veteran brought in and it's probably not going to be the most interesting guy right but you look around I think you know you a good a good like reliable veteran with a lot of experience would make a ton of sense here you know you you look at like a Case Keenum with the Bills if he doesn't re-sign in Buffalo perfect guy there you know Jacoby Brissett I love but I think he wants to be a starter somewhere he deserves it you know, um, like a Teddy Bridgewater, if he doesn't return to the Dolphins, um, you know, these are all guys that I think make a lot of sense. Um, you know, Kyle Allen, who's currently with the Texans, I think he fits this offense pretty well. He could be someone that's interesting. Um, you know, so you see who shakes loose. Um, you see if there's a, a good, reliable veteran out there that you, you trust, and then you go with that. And then you, you just, uh, you roll with Ritter. And you hope that he continues on this path because the the upward trajectory that we've seen is really important. It's been consistent every single week, and and that's a big thing. So Fritter can just finish this out strong against what's probably going to be the Bucks' backup. So like he's probably getting a layup opportunity here to just sort of really show off some 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 of what he can do against probably inferior competition to, to really give the coaching staff a signet, like a nice, you know, thing to he's going to sign off, maybe finish his, his season two and two, which is perfectly respectable. Um, and you know, they'll be like, Oh, well look, he lit up the bucks for 303 TDs. And, and you know, the Falcons just stomped on the bucks backups and look, it's the bucks backups, but you still, if you're trying to sell something to your fans, you know, that's a good thing to start with, right? A nice performance. So he still needs to play well against the Bucks. If the Bucks starters play, you know, I think it's much more meaningful, whatever happens in that game. But I, I suspect that the Bucks will rest their starters. They don't really have any reason to play them. Um, so we'll see, you know, and, and that 
and ultimately what the front office and coaching staff decides to do with Ritter will completely change this, the uh, the landscape of this offseason because if they can afford to commit all these resources to the rest of the roster and say that we're good enough at quarterback and we don't have to go spend all of our draft capital or all of our free agent dollars to go bring this guy in, um, you have a great opportunity to, to flesh out the rest of your roster with some premium talent that they're desperately lacking. Whereas if you go and trade for Lamar Jackson, as much as I love Lamar and do think he's the per- pretty much the perfect quarterback for this system, um, you're probably trading away three first round picks and 40 to 45 million in cap space for his new deal, which is probably going to be fully guaranteed. And your, your, your offseason looks far different. You're not working with first round picks. You're basically saying Lamar Jackson is enough to get us over this hump. We're going to, they're still going to have another 40 million, maybe even 50 million to go because it's unlikely they're going to eat all of that $45 million per year cap hit in the first year. They're probably going to spread it out, but they're going to have a lot less to work with, probably half as much and no first and pro- and maybe no second and maybe no fourth. So you're, you're gutting your draft class and your few, two future draft classes. It just, because the Falcons were in on Deshaun Watson, it gives me pause thinking that they might try to make a move like that. But I don't, I think I'm coming more and more around on, I don't think that's the best decision as good as Lamar Jackson is and as big of an advantage he would be in terms of giving you an opportunity to really compete with an elite quarterback. The rest of this roster is so far, especially on defense from being anything close to contending. I just think that you're, you're not in a place where even adding Lamar Jackson is enough to get you to competitiveness. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're worse. You're far worse than the Ravens. Um, and the Ravens are, are a fringe playoff team at this point. So, um, it's it's not a, a good situation. And and Lamar Jackson, as fun as that would be, and as much as I love his fit in this offense, I think I'm com- I think I'm I'm probably leaning more towards Desmond Ritter. But it's just now we're gonna watch the Falcons trade for Lamar Jackson and I'll be like the loudest supporter of the move. So like you know, I, I don't really fault the team for for wanting to go that route because there's so few great quarterbacks, and if you can get one, you basically do whatever you can to do that. Um but Ultimately, I, I don't think he's going to end up here one way or another. So in that case, you know, your options are veterans, maybe like a Ryan Tannehill or whatever. If he gets cut, I think that's probably the most likely guy to end up here if they do want to sign that sort of starter level guy. But um, other than that, you know, it, it maybe sign one of these veteran backups that that's a, a reliable guy and, and, and roll with Ritter. And look, if you bottom out, you're back in the quarterback search next year. Um, and you know, we, we reboot it and you know, that, that could be Arthur Smith risking his job. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, at this point I'm, I'm confident enough in Ritter's development and in his ability. And look, I love the guy coming out of college. I I think this is a guy who was criminally underrated because he came out of a group of five school even though he went to Cincinnati and, and, you know, he was the first to ever make the playoff from the group of five and, you know, did a good job in the playoff. You know, I thought he made some great throws there that, that were not caught and, and did basically everything he could to keep that team alive. Elite athlete. Like I think people kind of are sleeping on, on what he offers um, as a quarterback prospect just because of his third round slot. Um, and sort of ignoring that, look, he was the second quarterback taken, look at his RAS, look at his arm, 
Um, look at that Demir Bird throw. Look at those tight window throws he hit in this game. Look at his athleticism. Like, what exactly does a Will Levis offer you that he doesn't? I mean, Will Levis is a little bit bigger, but is he? Are we saying he's better than like a ninety seventh percentile athlete? I mean, I'm not willing to believe that. Um, you know. Does Will Levis have a better arm? Probably, but like, does it matter? You know, how much better is it? And and is Will Levis as consistent a passer? Absolutely not. Nowhere close. So, you know, other than other than trading the the farm to go get either one of these top two quarterbacks in the draft who have their own question marks and have no NFL experience, by the way, um, or going for Lamar Jackson, who is great but has been hurt and is going to demand probably three first round picks and forty five to fifty million a year you can start to see why the Falcons might decide to just go with the rookie. Uh, And obviously he'll be a second year player next year, but to go with Ritter, give him another opportunity um, and, and see, you know what he can do and see if you can really turn this third round pick into your franchise guy. And the other side of the coin, and this will be the last point is I think this offense is built to not require that great quarterback I think this offense is built to only need good quarterbacking to to be a really good offense Um, and it's built like that because the run game is such an important part of it and they have that absolutely in place and the passing game is going to be built off that run it's going to be a lot of play action they've got the weapons to really make it easy on the quarterback when these guys are healthy, like Drake London and Kyle Pitts. I, I do think they need a wide receiver too, like a, a good guy on day two. But other than that, um, you know, the, the, the framework for this being an offense, it doesn't require a tremendous top end quarterback to be a good offense. Um, this is, this is what this is. Uh, so I think if you've built this out, you need to, to see if it works, right? You need to give it a chance to work. With Ritter, I think so far he's he's shown enough. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes next week. Maybe that changes things if he just completely bottoms out, but I don't think he will. I think he'll he'll have a good game, and I think we'll go into 2023 still with questions, but with some level of confidence that Ritter has shown enough to to take over this role going forward, and that would be great for him, giving him an opportunity to be the starter for a full offseason, to really get entrenched in the offense, to, I mean, Ritter's the type of guy, you know, you heard about it all offseason and, and during the season, like he would stay after practice and work with guys. I think he's going to be the guy to meet up with players in the offseason and, and practice and work and, and work on timing and all these things. Um, so I think Ritter's got all the intangibles too, and that's a big part of quarterbacking. Um, he's done everything right off the field. Uh, so I like Ritter. I like his potential. I think that I think that being in the third round probably put a chip on his shoulder too. And, and like, I, 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 I think it's setting up nicely for this to be a potential, you know, real bargain pick for the Falcons here. If Ritter can turn into that sort of good starting quarterback, I'm not sure that he has the ceiling to ever be that great quarterback. Like, you know, like a Lamar or a Mahomes, Josh Allen, probably not going to be that guy, but if he could be like a fringe top 10 guy, the fact that's all the Falcons need for this offense to be, absolutely contending every year you know Arthur Smith had like one of the number one offenses in the NFL with Ryan Tannehill so they don't need a great quarterback to make this work and that would be and and if they can build this roster around Ritter especially while he's still cheap for the next three years they have a real golden opportunity 
to be the next team that's got that quarterback on a rookie contract that really uses their free agent and draft assets well to build a great roster around them and really take advantage of that and, and try to win in this window of the next three years. So that's my thoughts on it. I, I, I'm excited about the future with Ritter. I, I think that's where we'll end up when the smoke clears, but you know, anything can happen and, and we'll see. It'll be an interesting off season for sure. Uh, but again, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Falcoholic podcast today. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Um, Please do follow the show at Falcoholic Live on Twitter. If you're interested in supporting us, you can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash falcoholiclive, uh, where you get ad-free early access to all these podcast episodes. You can also uh, like and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. Leave us a five-star review if you're listening to the podcast audio and you enjoyed the show. And if you're so inclined to donate to our Senior Bowl Travel Fund, you can go to streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. Uh, leave a question and we'll read it on our next stream. Or you can do it on Venmo if you prefer that. You can go to my Twitter at Kevin, and it is linked there. We appreciate everyone who's donated so far. We are 20% of the way there already. We've still got another month to go until the Senior Bowl. So um, thank you guys so much for, for all of your contributions so far. Really appreciate that personally. Um, but yes, like I said, no Wednesday show, no post game because I will be traveling. But we will have a final game preview for you coming uh, on Friday to preview this Bucks game. Um, so until then guys, we'll be back of course later next week with some more content as well, but, uh, we'll be out through, I guess, technically probably the next show would be like next Thursday or next Friday. Um, so enjoy the final week of the NFL 2022 season guys. Uh, Falcons are undefeated in 2023. Let's see if they can keep that streak going against the bucks and, and just, you know, really get the, just, it's always nice to hand the bucks an L no matter what, but, um, especially if Tom Brady's playing, they need to win that game. If Tom Brady's playing, they need to, to beat him. So, um, that's how Desmond Ritter becomes a legend if, if he gets the dub against Tom Brady. So, guys, again, thank you so much for listening, for watching. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Podcast. Have a great day, folks.